yet once they're out in the street afterwards, the tension dissipates. Do you fancy a tea at mine? Something herbal? she asks. It's not far from here. So they walk a few streets over to a block of flats and climb up to the top floor, where she has a tiny yet beautiful one-bedroom place with views onto the sea and, along the walls, photographs she has taken of different parts of the highlands. Rabbi gets a glimpse of the bedroom, where there's a huge pile of clothes in a mess on the bed. I tried on pretty much everything I own, and then I thought, to hell with that, she calls out, as one does. She's in the kitchen, brewing tea. He wanders in, picks up the box, and remarks how odd the word chamomile looks written down. You notice all the most important things, she jokes warmly. It feels like an invitation of sorts, so he moves towards her and gently kisses her. The kiss goes on for a long time. In the background, they hear the kettle boil, then subside. Rabbi wonders how much further he might go. He strokes the back of Kirsten's neck, then her shoulders. He braves a tentative caress over her chest and waits, in vain, for a reaction. His right hand makes a foray over her jeans, very lightly, and traces a line down both her thighs. He knows he may now be at the outer limits of what would be fitting on a second date. Still, he risks venturing down with his hand once again, this time moving a bit more purposefully against the jeans, pressing in rhythm between her legs. That begins one of the most erotic moments of Rabbi's life. For when Kirsten feels his hand pressing against her through her jeans, she thrusts forward ever so slightly to greet it, and then a bit more. She opens her eyes and smiles at him as he does back at her. Just there, she says, focusing his hand on one very specific area to the side of the lower part of her zip. This goes on for another minute or so, and then she reaches down and takes his wrist, moves the hand up a little and guides him to undo her button. Together they open her jeans and she takes his hand and invites it inside the black elastic of her pants. He feels her warmth, and a second later, a wetness that symbolizes an unambiguous welcome and excitement. Sexiness might at first appear to be a merely physiological phenomenon, the result of awakened hormones and stimulated nerve endings. But in truth, it is not so much about sensations as it is about ideas. Foremost among them, the idea of acceptance and the promise of an end to loneliness and shame. Her jeans are wide open now, and both of their faces are flushed. From Rabbi's perspective, the sexiness, which is a blend of relief and excitement, springs in part from the fact that Kirsten gave so little indication over so long that she really had such things on her mind. She leads him into the bedroom and kicks the pile of clothes onto the floor. On the bedside table is the novel she's been reading by Georges Sand, whom Rabbi has never heard of. 
There are some earrings, too, and a picture of Kirsten in a uniform standing outside her primary school holding her mother's hand. I didn't have a chance to hide all my secrets, she says. But don't let that hold you back from snooping. There's an almost full moon out, and they leave the curtains open. As they lie entwined on the bed, he strokes her hair and squeezes her hand. Their smiles suggest they're not completely past shyness yet. He pauses in mid-caress and asks when she first decided she might want this, prompted in his inquiry not by vanity but by a mixture of gratitude and liberation. Now that desires which might have seemed simply obscene, predatory or pitiful in their unanswered form have proved to be redemptively mutual.